So we are um, coming to the end of this series. We've been looking at the Lord's Prayer in kind of detail over the last few weeks. We're about to, I think, starting from next week, going to be starting our new series looking at our foundation stones, who we are at St. Matt's, which is a really exciting kind of journey that we've been on. But we're coming to the uh, end of this series. We've been thinking all about the different aspects of the Lord's Prayer. Out of interest, who, when you were at, either grew up in a church culture or, are we cold? You put the heating on, Peter. It's freezing in here, isn't it? We'll put the heating on, then it'll be toasting. That's to keep you awake as I start preaching, having it cold. That's good. Um, Who in their church culture, or maybe in your school culture, would regularly say out loud the Lord's Prayer? Any of you? Stick your hands up nice and high. That's actually quite a few, isn't it? I guess that's less and less now. Was any of that in school? Hands up if you kind of did it in school. Okay, quite a few of you. Right, brilliant. Um, So I'm a governor down at the junior school here, being vicar in the kind of community. I'm... You know, it's a privilege being involved down the school there and um, they've been learning the Lord's Prayer but it's not something that they're particularly familiar with and increasingly in the days we live I guess it, it, it becomes less and less familiar to people and there's always that funny moment when you say you can do the Lord's Prayer out loud in a group and some people use the old these and the thous and the trespasses and other people crash over the sins and the, all those different bits um, but the heart of what's in that prayer um, Doug, if we can stick that, that verse back up again that, that kind of from the gospel there we're going to be looking at it and we've been going through it and we had some brilliant people and Sarah was preaching on it and uh, Mary was I think last week and Julie and we've had some amazing insights into the different aspects of it we're kind of down at that that last bit lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one temptation and evil I'm going to speak for a little bit tonight and I'm going to get you to do some little bits of thinking in, perhaps in some groups tonight as well there was a little boy, and um, he was kind of brought up in the Catholic tradition, and he, he went into his church, and uh, he, he kind of went, in, went into confession and said, Father, f- forgive me, for I've sinned. Father, I've been having these really bad thoughts. They keep popping into my mind. And the priest says, did you entertain them, my boy? And the boy says, no, Father, but they entertained me. The, the reality of temptation is, that's a terrible joke, the reality of temptation is that it kind of works because we're engaged with it. You know, why do we sin? Well, because we kind of want to. Why do we get hooked into stuff? Because there's something that draws us. And each of us have different aspects. There's temptation all around us. Whether it's food or chocolate or people or too much to drink or clothes or gadgets in the Apple store or people, relationships. You know, many of those things might not be in themselves bad. But the real deal is, where's our heart? The issue is our heart, isn't it? The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Someone very wise once said, I don't know who, but it's a good line. But it's true. It's the heart. That's what kind of gets us trapped. That's what gets us in these endless cycles. That's what pulls us down into places where we feel unable to break free from. We feel trapped. We feel ashamed. Do you know what? I just want to say to you, shame is one of the biggest things that I find in churches. I find it everywhere I go. Shame. People living with terrible shame. I've even heard teachers, I've even heard preachers say it. Shame on you. Have you ever had anyone say that to you? Ever had anyone in church say that to you? Let me tell you, Jesus would never say it to you. He didn't come to give you shame. He came to break the power of shame. Shame is this crippling, paralyzing thing that holds us in a place of despair and failure 
and, and kind of not being yielded to God, but the opposite, pulling away because we feel like we've just messed up again and again and again. And the devil whispers in our ear, you've done it again. And we go, yeah, I've done it again. I'm so rubbish. And he goes, you're filthy, aren't you? And we say, yeah, I'm filthy. And meanwhile, heaven's looking on saying, I want to redeem you. You're precious. You're loved. I gave my life for you. I want you to be holy. Not be holy, but I want you to be holy because I'm holy. God offers us choice. God offers us freedom. God offers us hope, which is a really, really good word of encouragement for many of us. We often make such wrong choices, don't we? We do the wrong thing. We do things. I've told the story before, actually, a few a little while ago here. But I remember I, I had got three older brothers, and um, one Christmas, I remember coming home Christmas morning, and we had this mad dog. She was a border collie. She was bonkers, and she would bark endlessly. We came home Christmas morning, and it was silent in our house. And uh, I thought, as the dog died, what, what, what's going on here? Seriously, this was, it was so weird. Oak key in the door, you jumps on you, licks your face, and all the rest of it. But there was nothing, not a sound. And we're like, Tessa, Te-, that was her name, Tessa, Tessa. Named after Tessa Sarnison, the javelin thrower, interestingly. Sorry. And she couldn't throw the javelin. She couldn't even get it. She was a useless dog, really. But she, she wasn't anywhere. And so I went hunting for her and called her nothing, nothing. Eventually, I found her in, in the kitchen, under the kitchen table. And just as I found her, my mum screamed. Because the, ki- the oven door was open, and she'd had the entire Christmas turkey. And I mean the entire Christmas turkey the lot everything nothing left and she'd had a pound of butter off the side that was always going to work out well (laughs) well when I found her she was under the kitchen table with this kind of tablecloth and she was shaking I mean not least of all probably because what she'd eaten but she was shaking now I'm not saying dogs I know I don't put all human emotions onto this dog but this dog was terrified (laughs) and ashamed even this dog knew it had done something catastrophically awful. It knew it was Christmas. It knew it had ruined my Christmas, my dog. It knew Christmas Day was done. We were miserable. We were never going to recover from the fact... Well, two things we never recovered from. The fact that the turkey had been entirely obliterated and the fact that about 37 minutes later, the turkey came back <laughs> with a pound of butter. You have never seen anything like this in your life. I'm sorry if this is not helping any of you. But it, it was catastrophic on a level I've never seen before. We, we, we needed to call a coast guard. It was that bad. It was just everywhere. This dog... Sorry, too much. This dog was in shame. Now, if a dog who, who ruins my Christmas experiences shame, how much do we... You know, I so often see people who are like Tessa, hiding under a kitchen table. Not, not, maybe not literally, but spiritually they feel like that. Hidden away, ashamed, unable to even make... She wouldn't even look at you, call her, and she was... Wouldn't make eye contact. And yet we do that with the Father. We do that with God. We do that with other Christians because you, you, you have no idea how, how unholy my life is. You know, no idea the failure that I am. And so we back away from relationship and we back away from intimacy and we back away from relational connectivity because we feel shame. And that's what the enemy wants to do. Separate us, segregate us, isolate us, to crush our spirit. And temptation 
that we, we yield to can pull us into that place. But God's desire is for us to be overcomers. The truth is you and I will fail. Even I as a vicar can fail. Can I confess something? Is that, it's okay to confess. This, this is true. So this morning, <clears throat> wow, this is really open. This morning uh, I was working in the study really early and Sarah, my beautiful wife, got up, uh, made me a cup of coffee, which was glorious, made me some toast, bought it in, put it on my table this morning. And uh, she put this, she'd made two slices of toast with scrambled egg on, really, really nice, and put it down in front of me. Now that is really good, isn't it? That's beautiful. Didn't ask her to do that. Actually, the words that came out my mouth were, oh, I thought I had said apricot jam. Any of you who've been married for any amount of time... (laughs) will know the fallout from that kind of... And even as it came out, you know, you know when you say something and the words, no, 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 and you try and grab them before they come out. Youch. Rightly, understandably, Sarah was, you know, a bit upset by that. But, but we, we do that, don't we? we? We fall into things, not because we intend to hurt people, not because we intend to make wrong choices, but because we're dumb. We're thoughtless. We're stupid. We're slow to acting love. And we become... What was the deal there? I was working on my work. I thought what I needed, and I went, oh, it wasn't that. I didn't, I, I didn't order that. <laughs> What's going on in our hearts in those moments? We've lost what it is to love and to be thinking elsewhere. <laughs> I, I really had to be quite contrite, and Sarah's very gracious. But we can do that. Now, that's just a silly little thing, but when we perpetually choose self over others when we perpetually choose self over god when we go for the quick fix the quick buzz we find ourselves falling into all sorts of places of darkness that god doesn't want us to be in he's not a god who's beating us the great mighty smiter who beats us to make us holy he's a god who's longing for us to be free to make the right choices so that we can live in the light of his presence and radiance to know what it is to be free sometimes we choose the wrong path and it can be all so easy can't it a a mother told her son not to go swimming at the local river because it was a bit dangerous but when little johnny came home as little boys often do came in looking a bit sheepish with wet hair and kind of wet swimming trunks on and the mum says johnny i told you not to go in the river you know it's dangerous and he said i couldn't help him mum you know we went out for a walk and when i got down to the river the water looked so good And she said, yeah, but why did you even take your swimming trunks with you, Johnny? And he says, well, his response is great, isn't it? Well, it was in case I was going to be tempted. (laughs) How many of us live our lives a bit like that? We just prep ourselves just in case we're going to be tempted. Then we're already halfway there, aren't we? God says, I'm looking for a holy people. You are a holy people, a holy priesthood, a holy nation. And God's looking for us to walk in the light. And sometimes this little voice in our ear kind of tries to pull us away. You... And I are in a battle. That's the truth. You are in a perpetual battle, raging around you for your heart and your mind. The enemy is real. The enemy isn't some sort of vague, sort of floaty force. He's not some bloke in a red suit with a a pitchfork and a pointy tail that's kind of a comic character. Evil is real in our world. And the enemy doesn't like you very much. So you, every single one of you in this room, whether you know and believe in God or not, 
you are made in the image of God. You're loved by the Father. You were created, male and female, he created them in, the, in, in, in his image. You are made in the image of God. You're a, you're a God-bearer in your body. And so when the enemy looks at you, he hates you because you have the hallmark of heaven about you. And so the enemy is hell-bent on causing destruction, causing damage. And this isn't new. You know, Jesus says this in John 10. He says the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't come along to kind of give you a bit of a hard time and make you a bit sad. He doesn't come along to just kind of tempt you a little bit. And No, no, no. It's much more ruthless than that. Much more real than that. The enemy comes to steal. Steal what? Steal your joy. Steal your peace. Steal your hope. Steal your sanity. Steal your relationships. Steal ultimately your relationship with God. He comes to steal from you the things that if you're a child of God is your inheritance. It's your right. Joy and peace in the Lord. He comes to kill. He comes to kill the very what makes you you. To kill your spirit. He'd love you to die. But what he'll try and do is just kill your spirit. And to destroy, to crush, to diminish who you are. That's what he comes to do. Jesus says, be aware, therefore. You know, the enemy is raging around. But, says Jesus, but I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one who leads you. I'm the one who leads you, not into temptation. I'm the one who wants to lead you to a place of hope, to lead you to a place of peace, to lead you to a place of joy. He's the good shepherd. In fact, he's such a good shepherd, he says, I'm going to lay my life down for you, for my sheep. When the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy... I'm going to stand between you and the enemy. And he's got to go through me. And what did that look like? Well, it looked like the cross. And of course, on the cross, Satan thinks, I've done it. I've defeated. We sung about it tonight. I've defeated the prince of life. I've defeated him. Three days in a grave. I've overcome the enemy. But there's this nagging something at the back of the enemy's mind. Something, I'm not quite right here. And then, of course, we know on that third day, breath, life, prince of peace comes back and not only that he's descended into Hades we're told he takes the keys of hell and says Satan you're done I'm the king I'm the prince I'm the good shepherd who laid down my life for the sheep I'm the one who's overcome the enemy so that my people can be free just as Moses took the people out of captivity from Egypt to the promised land and they went through some trials they went through some testing Sarah referred to that when she was preaching about God's provision. You know, moaning about food and then God provides. Moaning about water and then God provides. We are tested at times in the wilderness. Jesus was tested. But God wants to give us the power to not yield to that temptation. That's what's so beautiful about Jesus. He was tempted, the Bible tells us, in every way that you and I will. And yet he maintained integrity. I find it awesome that this man, Jesus, could be in relationships with women who were, you know, crying and washing their, uh, his feet with their hair and their tears, and yet Jesus looked on and loved them with a purity and a holiness. I think that's amazing. That's what's needed in these days, where men honour women and bestow honour on them. Don't sexualize them, don't treat them as kind of things, but honor them and love them. Raise them up, edify them, encourage them. Speak out the truth and call out the truth from them. And then value it and honor them. That's what Jesus did. And he was able to do that with a purity and integrity that wasn't about him. It was about them. That's what God's looking for in these days. Temptation is real, isn't it? 
Oscar Wilde once said, I can resist anything except temptation. And maybe some of us feel a little bit like that. There is often that, that challenge of how do I respond when there's a temptation there? And, you know, we can laugh about it, and sometimes it's funny, but we often put ourselves in places. Like I said, um, there was a guy called Stan, and he was trying to lose weight. Um, but he came into the office one day with two massive boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. Anyone like Krispy Kreme donuts? Always go for the originals if you're going to buy a box. And he came in with these two boxes, and kind of the, the, the kind of his colleagues kind of looked at him in shock and said, dude, you know, you're trying to lose weight. You're trying to kind of go on this really kind of good diet. You're trying to lose weight. And you've come into the office with two boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts, which we notice you've put on your desk without much of a look like we're going to get a taste of them. What's going on? And he said, well, I was driving into the office this morning, and, you know, I, I, I go past the Krispy Kreme donut shop, which is just on the high street there. And as I was driving in, I had quite a tough week, and as I was driving in, I sort of thought to myself, if there's a space parking space right outside Krispy Kreme Donut, I'll take that as a sign from God that he wants to bless me. And that I can kind of pull into the space and I can park and I can go and buy my two boxes of donuts. I kind of thought that was a deal. And the 18th path passed when I came past the shop. Sure enough, there was one there. Now, isn't that often the truth? You know, we make, we do deals, we make conditions and then kind of eventually we go, oh, there we go. God doesn't want us to get into that place. God so wants to captivate our hearts and our lives and our souls that we don't want to yield to temptation because our eyes are fixed elsewhere. I love Psalm 91. Um, Sue read it to us tonight. It's just a beautiful psalm that at a time in my life when um, a few years ago when I was in real place of fear and isolation and, and uncertainty of what was going on in my life. This was a real go-to psalm. I actually print it out and put it with some other verses on my ceiling <laughs> so the first thing when I woke up in the morning looked up thinking oh god another day I would read some of this stuff that would be truth that speaks into my soul and that opening line whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty you know uh, this is such a beautiful psalm because we talk of father and rightly so we're told to pray to him as father but this psalm gives us some insight into kind of the mother heart of God. And I don't say that lightly. We see in this psalm the image of a mother hen. God has given us this scripture to help us understand. I don't know what your earthly fathers are like. Some of you here will have had brilliant fathers. Some of them will have been shocking. And God may want to bring some healing through that. God is the good, good father. But perhaps some of the ways he helps recover some of the territory that's been stolen. Remember what does the enemy comes to? Still, steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your image of what a good, good father is. He wants to, to kind of twist that into untruth. But this psalm shows us something about the heart of God. It's this beautiful image of him being a refuge. Surely he'll save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Listen to this next bit. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. If you've ever spent any time on a farm or um, a Tamsin's house, which isn't a farm, but she has got chickens, you look at the mother hen, and when the little chicks are there, when they get scared and when they get uh, feel vulnerable, they run to the mother hen. They kind of lift up the wings, and they all kind of disappear underneath into all the little feathers, just disappear. You think, how do they all get in there? It's like a TARDIS. They disappear right underneath. That's the image of what God's saying I'm like. I'm like that to you. That's how I long to be. When you're afraid, when you're vulnerable, when you're lost, when you're lonely, when temptation is reaching to snatch you, 
Where do you go? Where do you run? Where do you turn? Do you turn to drink? Do you turn to sex? Do you turn to relationships? Do you turn to work? Do you go online at Amazon and buy stuff? Do you go shopping in town? Do you drink more coffee? You know, all of these things, they're there, aren't they? God says, I want you to turn to me. Because those things won't fix you. Those things won't sustain you. That opening verse says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That, that's why we, um, we love to worship and we just give time to worship. Uh, norm- it's really, really rare for me to lead worship and speak. We don't normally do that, but just because of circumstances tonight. But whoever's leading worship here, we just want to, whether it's on a Sunday night here or whether it's a pastor or whether it's in small groups as a staff team on Tuesday, we just worship and wait in God's presence. Because in that place of intimacy and waiting, God comes and stirs and touches us. And if we spend our life rushing around, rushing from here to here to here, not learning to dwell We'll never know that kind of depth of the love and intimacy that the Father wants to bring to you. And you'll never know that peace and stillness. And you'll really struggle to hear the voice of the Father where he takes hold of your chin, lifts up your head, looks you in the eyes and says, I don't want you to be ashamed anymore. I don't want you to be scared anymore. I don't want you to feel like you're a victim anymore. That you're useless, that you're worthless. You know, he takes our chin, he lifts our gaze and says, you're the apple of my eye. You're my precious daughter. You're my precious son. I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But it's only when we dwell that we hear the voice of the Father. He doesn't shout it into our busyness. He waits and he waits and he waits. And in that place of intimacy, in that place of hearing the voice of life from the Father, we kind of, just temptation falls away. Our prayer needs to be. It's often hard in this verse. We just rattle through, lead us not into temptation. But the prayer really needs to be, Jesus, lead us, comma. Not into temptation, but away from evil into your presence, into the light of your radiance. Jesus, will you lead me? Will you lead me? You know, my own emotions lead me. Sometimes other people lead me. Sometimes the pressures of life leads me. But Jesus, I want to be led by you. Jesus, lead me. Lead me into intimacy. Lead me into freedom. Lead me into a place where temptation has no longer any great hold on me. You know, the truth is the devil can't really make us do anything. We collude with his lies. We often fall into temptation because there's some deficit in our heart. Maybe it's a sense of worth. You know, I'm going to say this because I think it's the tough thing we should say in church. If you've got a problem with porn, no, I'm going to rephrase that. Those of you who have got a problem with porn... Because all studies show that actually lots of people in church have a real big issue with it, including pastors and leaders. Those who have got a problem with porn, it can crush your spirit because of the shame. But we can try and deal with the fruit when God says, I want to deal with the root. And maybe it's because you don't know what real intimacy with the Father is and maybe you're just trying to get a quick fix, a quick buzz. 
God is looking for us to live radical, holy lives. Let me say this from the front. If you're in a relationship with someone and you're not married, you shouldn't be sleeping with them. Maybe that was a light bulb going off for someone over there. I'm going to say that again. If you're in a relationship with someone, great. God created sex. God created relationship. He loves relationships. But he wants marriage to be in a place of, he wants sex to be in a place of marriage. I know it's tough, right? Sarah and I got married 25 years ago. We look too young, don't we, darling? And, and trust me, I was really ready to get married. I mean, the cold shower in my house kind of got, saw a lot of life. But we decided that we weren't going to have sex until we were married because we wanted to honor God. And yeah, it was hard, but you know what? It's possible. And some people tell you you can't do it. It's impossible. What do you mean? What do you mean you didn't have sex before you got married? Well, because that's what God urges. He's looking for a holy people. Now, some of you in the room are thinking, oh, no, that means I've blown it. I'm done. That's it. I'm finished. God says, no. There's no shame because I'm the God who can undo the past. I'm the God of new beginnings, fresh starts. I'm the God of holiness. I'm the God who wants to set things right. So we don't say it to judge. If you're struggling with porn, God wants to bring breakthrough into your life, and he can. If you struggle with anger or jealousy or you struggle with other things, if there's other temptations where you, your spending is out of control, and you just don't, God wants to bring order to your life, and God can. He doesn't want to beat you with a stick, but he wants to bring freedom to you. He wants to deliver you from the reality and power of the enemy. And he can. And he does that with love. And he does that through Christians who will stand with you, who will pray with you, who will encourage you. This isn't about trying to be good. Be good, and then God will like you. No, this is about living a life that honors God, where his glory and his power can flow. I've known what it is in my life to not be in a place of intimacy with God when I've stepped out of his will. I've done my own thing. I don't want to do that, God. That's too hard. That, that cost is too much. I'm going to la, la, la. Can't hear God. Oh, la, 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 la. Anyone ever done that? I've done that. It's a really bad idea. Because God's way for us is perfect. He loves us and he wants to encourage and lead you into freedom. None of God's ways are about beating you up. None of God's ways are about being unkind. Completely the opposite. He's always kind. He's always good. He's always just. And he wants to lead you to a place of green pastures and blessing. And sometimes that means us choosing to be obedient to him. To yield our resources to him. To yield our time to him. Our money to him. Some of you here might just need to fast a bit of time from, I was going to say Facebook, but as my daughter will tell me, that, that's so last decade. Instagram, whatever it is you use. Sometimes we need to just step back from our social media and engage with the God who created us. There's so many temptations pulling us away, some of them more obvious than others, but the enemy will use anything to lead us to a place where we aren't yielded to him. So I want to close by um, praying for us, and I'm going to get us to pray for each other, because we've got a bit of time. And you'd be really wanting me to stop talking, so I will. Lead us not into temptation, Jesus. Deliver us from the evil one. You know, I'm, I'm not making the assumption that everyone here is necessarily even a Christian. Uh, as I've said often before, you may not necessarily even believe in God, and that's fine. God believes in you. God knows all about you. 
And you may be sitting here feeling uncomfortable. I'm often uncomfortable when I'm in situations, and particularly people start speaking stuff that makes me feel uncomfortable. You can react in different ways. You can go, well, stuff you. He's a vicar. What does he know? That's okay. You're completely free to do that. You're fine as a church here. We're very relaxed about these things. But then you also do need to say to God, stuff you, because it's not really me just saying this stuff. God wants to win our hearts, and God loves you, and he wants to win your heart. And if you're feeling uncomfortable, often I would suggest that might be the Holy Spirit. He brings conviction. It's different from condemnation. The enemy comes with a big hammer and smashes you on the head and says, you're crap. Look at you, what a failure. God can't love that. Jesus comes with the Holy Spirit and says, I love you. But there's this thing in your life that I want to to heal, to change, to transform. Why? Not to make you better, but to help you be free so you can experience the fullness of the life that I have for you. Because let me tell you, when we got married, we experienced full life. Amen, babe? (laughs) High five. High five. Don't leave me hanging. Well done. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) this isn't being recorded, is it? Yes, it is. Good. I don't, I, I, don't want to make, I don't want to make light of it because it's true. J- Jesus intended for sex to be, and the Father intended for sex to be amazing. The best. It is a gift. You didn't think you'd come to church and hear a vicar say that, did you? Well, vicars need to be saying that. The church needs to reclaim sex, which has been stolen by the world, and turned it into a slightly dirty, slightly kind of like l- lewd kind of like thing. You know, if any of you have seen, um, what's the... Um, Miranda sex Se- no sex it's a gift from God Jesus said I came to give you life and all its fullness abundance of life this isn't a God who wants to diminish you or reduce you or make you kind of like sweat about trying to be a holy life he wants to give you freedom joy hope peace extravagance of his life and his kingdom but we often settle for religion Or a framework of trying to be good. Or we settle for a relationship where we hold God at bay because, well, he's too good and I'm just too not. And heaven's shouting at you saying, I want to win your heart because I love you. I've paid my, I gave my son for you to redeem you. So I want to pray for us that we can experience God's life. And in the areas where we're struggling, we can yield those to God. And God will give us the strength he says, no temptation comes against you, which doesn't, I won't provide a way out from it. God wants to help us be free to experience the wide bounty of his mercy and grace. Let's just close our eyes and um, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come help us. I'm going to invite um, the band to come up on stage as well, if that's possible. As I was preparing tonight, I kind of um, I thought maybe I'd get everyone into some groups and <laughs> share. But maybe getting into groups and sharing about what temptations you struggle with may not be a helpful thing to do. What I just sense we need to do, though, is just take a bit of time to just get our hearts right with God. For some of you, that will be quite easy. For some of you, I've said some things tonight which kind of shake you a little bit. But that's okay. 
Jesus is longing for us to build our lives not on sand but on a rock so that when the storms come and when the shaking comes, there's something firm that stands. Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and obeys them is like a person who builds their life on a rock. Father, I'm, I'm so sorry at times I've heard your, the words of your son Jesus. I've heard your longing. I've heard your desire. I've heard them, Lord. I've listened. But I can't always say I've obeyed them. And the consequences have usually been pretty catastrophic in my life. Lord, I meet too many people every day who have been compelled to make choices that they regret and they're living with the consequences of it. But you are the God who's able to make all things new. You're the God of new beginnings. You're the God of fresh grace, fresh hope, fresh mercy. And so there's not one person in this room who when they turn to you and says, Lord, I'm sorry that you're not able to redeem that. You're the God who restores the years that the locusts have eaten. You're the God who's able to completely transform So I pray, Father, whatever temptation, whatever struggles, perhaps whatever failures we might be sharing in this room in our hearts now, Holy Spirit, would you come and minister right into them? Would you speak your words of forgiveness? Would you speak your words of hope? Would you speak your words of challenge where you need to do that? Holy Spirit, your conviction is not like a hammer. It's like a scalpel that seeks to go right to the very root and to bring transformation and freedom. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission to come amongst us, to search our heart. As King David said, search my heart, O God, and show me any unclean way within it. Would you search our hearts, Lord, and where we yield to different temptations, would you give us a resilience and a strength instead to be led by you, Jesus, into your paths, into your truth. Come, Holy Spirit, stir our hearts. Help us to fall in love with you again, Jesus. Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by our own desperation to try and be better, but it's by your Holy Spirit. It's all a work of grace. None of it deserved, none of it earned by us. All freely obtainable through the cross. And on that cross, Jesus, you took our shame. You took our broken relationships. You took our addictions to porn. You took our our need of alcohol to bring hope. You carried the brokenness and the wounds that we carry that others have inflicted to us. You carry our shattered dreams. You carry our wrong choices. You carried our anger, our violence, our jealousy our hypocrisy. You carried our malice, our spite. You carried our weaknesses. You carried our laziness, our apathy. In your body on the cross, you carried all the wretched filth and degradation of humanity through the ages. Jesus, we can't even begin to grasp that. You carried it all in your body so that we who deserve punishment could go free. And there's this glorious exchange where your robe of righteousness, where the Father has always looked at you and seen you as pure and holy and redeemed and glorious. 
in that moment, there's this glorious exchange where you take off your robe of righteousness and you give it to us, us mess creatures who just endlessly, perpetually make wrong choices. And you say, take, take. When we yield to you, when we confess our sins, you're gracious and merciful, you forgive us. And you call us back into right relationships where there is no more shame, no more brokenness, healing and hope instead, Lord. So we give our hearts to you. We give our mistakes to you. And where for some they're trying to think, well, what does life look like now? If, if, if I've confessed this, if, if you're asking me for a new way, well, then you're kind. You offer a new way. You offer hope. For couples who are in relationships where maybe they're sleeping together, you want to speak right into that relationship. You want to bring love and hope and patience and kindness. And you want to bring freedom. You're a good, good father and you want the best for those couples. So I pray, Lord, that you'd speak with your wisdom and your truth and your life into them. For couples who have been abused and bruised by life, you say, I can make all things new. Clean, restored, whole. And this is a holy moment, Lord, so we we just want to wait on you and let you do whatever it is you want to do amongst us in these moments, Father. Holy Spirit, come and minister around the room. I remember being challenged by the verse, if you lose your salt, how do you get salty again? And I remember God saying to me, Sir, you need to get back into the sea and just absorb me. And um, it's really worth allowing the damn wall of our heart that God seemed to be speaking about last week to just allow that to be broken and um, he, he, he'll he come close to you when you're broken he won't resist brokenness um, it's better to be, fall on the rock and be broken than to resist the rock of ages So seek him while he can be found. And to women who absorb too many words of um, negativity and things spoken to them in in the moment which aren't true, uh, who who can't forgive, you need to forgive and, and let go. However far back that goes and whoever it was, just let it go because the healer wants to set you free I don't know whether this I'm just testing out some knowledge here but if anybody's got issues with um, breast disorders or breast cancer or something not quite right in that area I think God really wants to minister to you tonight in power physically as well Thank you, Holy Spirit. So as we um, 
As we draw to a close, we're just going to dwell for a few minutes and um, just let him, you know, often we have a ministry team that prays and we kind of do that. I just kind of sense tonight, I just want to let God do his thing amongst us. So uh, you might want to stay seated. You might want to kind of um, get down on your knees. You might want to stand, find some space. As God's spirit moves around and broods over us, at the beginning of the dawn of creation, the spirit of God brooded over the waters, looking to bring life. And he still does exactly that now. He's looking to bring life where there's decay, life where the enemy is stolen and brought death. He's a king of resurrection power, Jesus. Nothing's impossible to him. He's the one who speaks the word and Lazarus walks out of the tomb. So Jesus, would you brood over us by your spirit? Would you come and have free reign to speak into hearts and lives and bring your freedom and truth? Truth, Jesus. Jesus. We'll welcome you, Holy Spirit. We'll welcome you now. In these closing minutes, would you just come and do the works that you want to do amongst us, Holy Spirit?